This program brought to you by PersonalLifeMedia.com is suitable for mature audiences only and may contain explicit sexual information. This interview was recorded at the One Taste Center in San Francisco on January 29, 2008. Welcome to A Taste of Sex, guest speaker interviews. I'm Harmony Niles. We are coming to you from the One Taste Urban Retreat Center in San Francisco. One Taste is an organization dedicated to bringing awareness to all of those areas in which we struggle to stay conscious. Sex, relationship, food, money. We have centers in New York and San Francisco, as well as a growing online community at onetaste.us. Through our workshops and events, we help people live fuller, richer, and more connected lives. We are here tonight with Amiko Amori and Wendy Slick, the directors of Passion and Power, the Technology of Orgasm. Filmmaker and cinematographer Amiko Amori has produced many educational documentaries, including Academy Award nominee Regret to Inform. She has taught at USC, San Francisco City College, and at San Francisco State University. Wendy Slick has produced and directed in almost every facet of the media industry and has worked for Lucasfilm Learning, Harcourt Brace, and Sundance Institute. She created the video department for the College of Marin. Passion and Power. The film chronicles the invention of the vibrator and its impact on sexual politics. Through interviews with feminist pioneers, social historians, a Texas housewife, and a New York performance artist, we see how the device went from a cure for hysteria to an appliance made by Sears and Roebuck. Thanks for joining us tonight. Great description. <laughs> Thank you. I'm really interested in the ways that we exert power over sex in our definitions of what is normal and what is abnormal. Can you talk about um, how the first vibrators were marketed as a cure for, for hysteria? How did they define hysteria then? Well, as Rachel Maines, our, the author of the book that we based the movie on, the, the book is um, um, The Technology of Orgasm, Hysteria, the Vibrator, and Women's Sexual Satisfaction. Well, Rachel Maines, the author that's quoted in our, uh, as she uh, says in our movie, she says, um, it was the uh, waste paper basket of otherwise unemployed medical symptoms. So, sleeplessness. Which means, yeah, <laughs> yawning, sleeplessness, what was it, reading French novels while wearing tight corsets, uh, crankiness, yeah. disagreeing you, with husbands. Right, headaches, uh, you name it. it. It was, you know, that, that, Hysteria just encompasses huge, vast. So we all got it. We all have it. it. Yes, that's it. So if we all got it, who's normal and who isn't? Mm -hmm. And I think that extrapolates out what we learned in this book that it, you know, that it has a ripple effect mm -hmm. in our lives. And, and sex is certainly a, a center part of our lives, but this is not really about sex. I know your radio show is about sex, but this movie is really about things that go beyond that and, and sex kind of being a a way of describing self-confidence and feelings about self 
and self-esteem. It's about uh, civil rights, you know, women's rights, um, and it's not only, well, the history of the vibrator is qu is quite uh, interesting, and in, in fact, it covers a, a large span, of, you know, a, b a big span of time, and the fact that it was invented by doctors, which is what piqued the, uh, the author, Rachel Maine's uh, interest, because she was doing um, needlework research, which is one of her areas of expertise, women's needlework. And she was um, flipping through women's magazines from uh, the early 20th century, looking for needlework patterns. And she said she kept coming across these ads that sounded like a vibrator, you know. And it's that same typical way ads uh, are today. You know, it's the vibrator to massage your neck and your, you know, that, that kind of thing. Um, so it wasn't really her area, but she decided to kind of ex investigate, like, why did doctors need, uh, that this was an invention by doctors, the vibrator was, and, and why did uh, doctors need vibrators? And it was for the treatment of hysteria. That uh, a treatment for hysteria was to go to the doctor, be masturbated to orgasm, where they called it um, hysterical paroxysm, um, massaged to hysterical paroxysm, um, <clears throat> but the doctors weren't very good at it. They um, they didn't like doing they it because like it took so it. long. <laughs> yeah, it could take over an hour. They didn't know what they were doing, and then the vibrator reduced this time to under ten minutes. Now, of course, they were so happy to have this. You know, they could have more patients. They didn't have to do it themselves. Um, <laughs> You know, it was a mechanical thing, and um, so it started in doctor's offices. When we read this in Rachel's book, we just kind of couldn't believe it. And um, we're, we're kids from the 60s, giving our age away a little bit, rock and roll, sex, drugs, fun. And we're feminists, and we had no idea about this story. So we wanted to get that, that message out there. That It was very funny, but it's also kind of poignant. That what if what where how have we been defined all these years? You know, here doctors kind of <laughs> using social camouflage to um, masturbate women to orgasm without any. So husbands were sending them there. Husbands were sending them to the doctors. But we're talking about middle class Victorian yeah. America. The uh, working class one. They were much too busy <laughs> working. Class they have didn't have time, time for this kind for of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> or the money, I guess. Right, yeah. or the money. Right. right. Did you want to tell a story? Oh, well, we both started laughing before mm. when we were telling that when Emiko was saying the name of the book, which we've based this movie on, which is Hysteria, The Vibrator, and Women's Sexual Satisfaction, right? Well. It's the technology of orgasm, orgasm. And, then and then that's a subtitle. Yeah. So we were um, just screening our film at the Palm Springs International Film Festival in Palm Springs, California. And we had to, you know, when you do these things, you do publicity and you want to get the word out. And so we drove down there and we were told by the publicist that we had to be at this TV station at 6 in the morning to be on live TV. Live television at 6 in the so, morning. You know how much fun that is. Not only like radio, you can at least deal with the voice, but you had to look right, and our brains had to be working, which was actually the hardest part. So we got up at 
four or five and we got out there. It was dark and cold and we didn't know where we were going and we got lost and we were late and they finally got us in there and they push us to in front of the cameras and you're going to be on live in I guess a minute. And the guy who's going to interview us comes out and he says, oh, by the way, you can't say the word vibrator on the air. Oh. So, as you can see, that's part of the name of the book <laughs> that we based our movie on, and it's what the movie's about. So we were both kind of in shock, and I think I said, well, can we say orgasm? And he said, yes. And then Emma goes, said, well, what do we say? And he says, well, you say adult toy. Not adult sex toy, but you could, we could say adult toy instead of the word vibrator. So... When we had to say the name of the book, Emma <laughs> <laughs> like, right. said, what was it? Oh, something like, you know, the technology of orgasm hysteria, the adult toy we can't yeah. name, <laughs> and women's sexual satisfaction. And, you know, we should have said something like the adult toy that vibrates and women's <laughs> sexual satisfaction. But, you know, at six in the morning, we're kind of barely functioning. But um, so, you know, we, I thought... Where have we come? You know, where, what is this town? Um, in defense of the man, the host of that show, you know, the, these days, uh, television st uh, stations and uh, corporations are running scared because of the Janet Jackson incident. So I'm sure he was a little nervous that he didn't get two wackos on that were going to say all these kinds of words that were going to upset his audience. <laughs> and, you know, get a letter written. Well, I'm mm -hmm. sure someone above him told him to do that, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was his idea. But it's kind of what our movie's about. Well, but... What yeah. just happened to us, you know? Well, yeah, and, and it is live, and so they can't really... If we started off, you know, saying various words, that, that would get them into trouble. So, yeah. you know, we told the line. We, we didn't want to get him into trouble or, or, or us alone. <laughs> well, it is funny, because we were good girls. Mm -hmm. And afterwards, we were in the pool <laughs> in Palm Springs. And a friend of ours who's a Hollywood writer was like writing what we should have said. And of course it was like, you know, very funny and brilliant, but no, we just kind of went, oh. I think it was so shocking. Mm -hmm. Well, somebody who saw it, because we thought, oh my <laughs> goodness, I have no idea how that interview went just because we were always trying not to say something. <laughs> so at the end I went, I don't know if anybody learned anything. And she mm -hmm. said, it was very fun. This person who came to one of our screenings, you know, that she saw us on television and went, oh, no, oh, what was it like? She said, oh, it was very funny, but I didn't learn much about the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that is ironic, because it really is perfectly what your movie yeah. is about. The way that these aspects of women's sexuality has, has gotten pushed uh, to the sidelines and is not recognized. And I know you talk about in your movie how the definition of, of real sex is penetration then leading up to male ejaculation and women's orgasm doesn't even really enter that equation at all. Where do you think we're at now in 2008? About the same place. <laughs> no, I think we're probably a little better. I think the younger women and younger men seem to be on a little more of an equal ground and know a little more what's happening but we've had lots of young women see the movie and come up to us afterwards and go well I know about sex toys but I didn't know this history and then they kind of go thank you you know so I think you kind of need to know where you've come from to be able to stabilize where you are and 
I'm not sure how stable it is right here where we are. It's, and I think that long-winded story we told is part of this mm -hmm. little piece of, I mean, the other pieces, there are four states where you can't sell vibrators. It's illegal, which is in our movie. Yeah. You can sell Viagra. And you can so sell guns. <laughs> yeah. So ha have we progressed uh, uh, in awareness, I think, and certainly uh, because of now, unfortunately, things like AIDS, you know, I mean, sex is on kind of everyone's mind here. Uh, and it's, um, I, I think we're going to start to go a little bit backwards, or we are kind of going a little bit backwards because of, it's a more dangerous time. Listen to A Taste of Sex, Life in an Orgasm-Based Community, a weekly online audio program where orgasmic innovators share the intricacies of their practice on personallifemedia.com. I think when we started, and certainly the way I perceived it was, it was something that was going to be this book only, which is just a history of the vibrator from like, you know, the time of um, Hippocrates and up to the Victorian age. But in kind of serendipitously, I mean, it wasn't sort of that plan. We started meeting these people like, you know, the the, the I'm not going to give things away in the movie, but a really wonderful and interesting cast of characters emerged and that they had something to do really with the feminist history of all of this. So then it became a much bigger movie in some ways. And um, pe women have said this, and I certainly felt this at the end of, of coming, trying to... Trying to um, you know, when you structure a movie, like, how are we going to end this movie? You know, when it, and we kind of finally figured out what the end could be. Um, it's, it's a little bit sad. And I thought to myself, I, why is it a bit sad? And I think part of it is exactly that. It, it's a very different time now. And different because sex is more dangerous in a real way than back then. And, um, and there was a kind of energy and innocence, uh, hope that things were going to change. Um, and, you know, women were out in the streets and trying to, you know, get equal pay and all that. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe this is this thing about getting old. It's nostalgia has set in. Um, but uh, I, I think it's, you know, a different sex whether the laws and all that have changed or not, I think p people are in a different relationship to it now. So you had Betty Dodson in your movie. That's fabulous. What was it like working with her? Well, it was interesting how we met her. Um, early on in the movie, of course, we had read about her, and I think Dale had mentioned her. You know, I'm just wondering, do people know who Betty Dodson oh. is? Oh, oh, would you like to speak to that? Well, you tell them who Betty Dodson 
Okay. She's an icon. (laughs) She (laughs) She really is. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, Definitely one of, you know, the great figures of early feminism in the 70s and um, a woman of power and one who, like, championed masturbation and, and made that okay. And I love the part in your movie where she was talking about how um, she showed slides of vaginas to a group of women in a workshop, and women just you know went nuts. They had never seen any other vagina but their own. And so many people have um, feelings about, is mine okay? Does it look right? I know I certainly had those feelings. And um, it must have been so empowering to be able to realize, like, oh, I'm normal, I'm okay, and I'm beautiful. That's certainly Betty. <laughs> so what what did you get out of that section about yourself? Yeah, I really um, felt her when she talked about that she had been worried that her vagina was disformed and that it didn't look right and that it was ugly. And I think that we all really do have these feelings. And um, the one thing that I was disappointed in is that you didn't show those slides of the vaginas in the movie. You showed pictures of flowers. Was that for legal reasons? It was, and we've had this debate with Betty, yeah. as you can imagine. She wanted to show her pictures. Um, this movie's a mainstream movie, and it plays to 85-year-old, 90-year-old women, plays to younger women, and it'll probably get on TV and plays in movie theaters, and having explicit photos puts it in a whole different realm, and we wanted to get the message out, so we thought that was a small price to pay to get it to more people. And the images, Emiko is a very talented, incredible cinematographer, and her images are breathtaking. Oh, well, thank <laughs> yes, you. Yes, the imagery is gorgeous. So we get to see those breathtaking mm-hmm. images. Yeah. Well, it was, um, I like to say, and I can't really define it in any way, is that when I see the movie, I can tell that it was made by women. Uh, there was another movie that you said to take a look, and I forget what it was called. It's on Showtime, and there was a little clip on um, YouTube or something. And I looked at it, really, it was like oh. 10 seconds in, I go, it's women talking about their orgasms. I go, this was directed by a man. I don't know why, <laughs> but indeed it was, you know. Um, I think, uh, you know, men might have different expectations about a, a, a movie about women and their orgasm than that women want to make, you know? But just, it's, I hate to sound s- like sexist or something, but there's, I think it has a woman's touch. I mean, I don't know if that like really, you know, uh, actually happens. You know, you hear those things, oh, this got a woman's touch. Well, I think, I think it does. I don't think this movie could have been made by two men. It probably shouldn't have been. No, it shouldn't have been. Actually, in one of our screenings, somebody said, well, you should, you should, oh, my dad had said, oh, very nice movie, but you should make one for men. And I told that at one of the screenings, and some guy said, yeah, if you'd made it for men, it would have been 30 seconds long. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. And, and just so your listeners, like, you know, if ever you come to the movie, please don't ask why we don't have any men in the movie. I think that's Mm -hmm. (laughs) self-explanatory, isn't it? (laughs) We haven't asked that a few times. What other kind of comments have you gotten? What other kind of comments and feedback have you gotten from people who have seen the movie? 
You know what's been really fun is at at least like two, three women have at different screenings, um, like at Palm Springs. Okay, another little story. They get, Palm, uh, Palm Springs gave us a very nice venue. It was 7 p.m. on a Friday. I mean, that's like prime time in the movie world. Um, and we had a sold out audience and we had a very, very wonderful audience. We had another screening at 9.30 a.m. Sunday. We're going, who is going to come to a 9.30 in the morning, Sunday morning, uh, church morning? Uh, do you know, who's going to come to this? Well, people started lining up. You know, Palm Springs is sort of retiree <coughs> committee, uh, community. And so there were a lot of uh, white-haired couples that came. And they were a hoot. They were a really great audience. So during Q&A, this woman goes, you know, I was in one of Betty's workshops. And that has happened in more than one screening. And I thought, you know, I should get their names and say, I'd love to just have them talk about like what it was like to be in Betty's workshop, you know, what it did for them, you know, how it changed your life. Um, and uh, so, you know, that audience was just an unexpected, like, uh, fun audience. You know, they're not exactly our parents' age. They're like maybe 10 years older than, or 12 years older than some of us. <laughs> and uh, and so they went through that. You know, like my mother's from the 50s. You know, she didn't go through the feminist uh, times. So, um, so one these women it, did, yeah. and they recognized all the people yeah. in the movie, and I think it just brought back kind of good memories of those times. When I watched that portion of the movie, I, I felt also like, oh, I wish I was there. That was the time <laughs> to be in. You it know, was. And, and yeah. it seemed like the vibrator, you know, in those years was kind of championed as a feminist icon. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And now in our, you know, broader popular culture, I feel like there's been a backlash to feminism. Well, and a lot of people do say that a lot of these laws are a backlash to feminism because a lot of them came in in the 70s. And I think it's true, and it's very sad. I mean, you know, Betty was out there with the icon of, of feminism, and, and now it's illegal. I mean, that's a pretty big jump. I mean, we're supposed to be going forward. <clears throat> well... We have had wonderful responses. Uh, at the Mill Valley Film Festival, we had a standing ovation. It was pretty thrilling <laughs> to, to have, uh, because, you know, people have said, and actually somebody said this at Palm Springs, you know, like, ooh, with the title, like the technology of orgasm, I just didn't know if I really wanted to see this movie <laughs> or whatever. Um, you know, and I understand that. I mean, I. I we we talked about this. I mean, should we have that in the title or not? You know, I mean, was it going to turn more people away than attract people? But it's the name of her book, and I said, well, there's some cachet in if anybody knows the book, they would go to that, you know. But it has, I think, gotten us into trouble at times. You know, um, people are afraid to show a movie that's got the word orgasm. <laughs> they lost funding because of that word. Really? Yeah. And that's another testament to what's happening mm -hmm. now in these times. This was not looked at as something that people wanted to throw money at. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. You know, and we're experienced filmmakers. We, it, I mean, it, it, it's, you know. It's perfect for PBS. Yeah. But they will never put something in their program guide that's had orgasm on it. You know, it'd be great for Pledge Night. They have no idea. This would be so perfect. This is a, you know, Listen. the demographics of the women yeah. are the women who write checks to, Listen, you know, we public were television. Pledge Night on KPFA. Yeah. And in one hour, I think we raised them $10,000 and we sold, and they pledged 70 DVDs. And, it, you know, it was just amazing. People were just, and they played, it was interesting, they played parts of the movie on radio. You know, it's interesting well. how a lot of documentaries these days, because it really, it's really uh, informational. I mean, you know, that's kind of, for a lot of documentaries, that is the uh, the structure holding it, is sort of the the interviews and things, you know. So it's amazing. It played really well on radio. We said, you know, <clears throat> we should I've make a books on tape of this, you yeah. see. <laughs> By the way, can we mention our website? Of course. www passion and power a-n-d-p-o-w-e-r themovie.com because the DVD's for sale awesome. on our website. Thank you for listening to A Taste of Sex. This event is part of our Tuesday night forum. Join us every Tuesday night and hear educators and speakers address their work in sexuality, nutrition, relationship, science, and culture. If you would like transcripts or would like to check out our other podcasts, you can find them at personallifemedia.com. And find out more about One Taste and the work we do at onetaste.us. We have a great chat board and invite you to join our discussions. Thank you, Amiko and Wendy. Let's go over and watch the movie. Find more great shows like this on personallifemedia.com.